Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. But the first thing I do want to talk about is two weeks ago we talked to a lot of women on the air who had had a miscarriage and some very, very tragic stories. Now the Labour Party is calling for the government to support legislation that would provide staff with up to 20 days paid leave for early miscarriages, fertility treatments and other reproductive issues. And to join me on the line is Ivana Bacic, uh, Senator, uh, Labour Party Senator. Good afternoon to you, Ivana. Good afternoon, Niall, and thank you for inviting me on your programme. We, two weeks ago, I listened to many women on the air talk to me about the tragedy of, of course, miscarriage, and men, by the way, as well. And it would be remiss of me not to mention there, there are men involved in this too. And it's something that maybe we don't talk about enough, maybe we don't think about enough, and we think about, oh, it's just a woman trying to have a baby or something like that. That's the way a lot of people think about it. And we need to look at the, the tragedy involved in this, the way it affects women, and the fact that they need time off work. So what what are you proposing? Well, um, I'm, I was really glad to hear that you'd had that uh, programme on miscarriages. I do agree with you that for far too long, women and men have felt that they had to remain silent about, you know, and couldn't speak about the trauma and the grief of miscarriages and of uh, the trauma of, you know, failed failed IVF treatment of, in, of inability mm. to conceive and so on. So I think you're right. It's for far too long there's been a silence around this. So what our bill proposes to do is to address that silence and also address the gap in the law currently where workers or employees who have to take time off work because they've suffered an early miscarriage or have to take time off work to access IVF treatment, for example, that they don't, there's no specific recognition for that need in, uh, in our employment law currently. So our bill, which we published yesterday for the Labour Party, would provide for a specific reproductive health-related leave for up to 20 days for an early miscarriage and up to 10 days for other medical treatments around fertility, around IVF and so on. And I suppose what prompted this bill was the initiative of um, one of our great councillors, um, Labour councillor Alison Gilliland, who uh, represents the Whitehall Artane area of North Dublin, and she's also an INTO official, and the Irish National Teachers Organisation, her union, had become really aware of the difficulties faced by so many of their own members. They conducted a survey two years ago in which they found that uh, 60% of those who responded, nearly 3,000 uh, responded, 60% had actually suffered um, the trauma of you know having to undergo uh, successive fertility treatment are suffering early miscarriages and yet you know felt they couldn't speak with their employers they had to take annual leave or sick leave and why why do you think women why do you think women and men by the way because there was a lot I had a man in tears here two weeks ago because his wife had had four miscarriages and he was upset for her because he was supporting her etc etc why do you think people have this fear of talking about it? It, 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 We always talk about women's problems. Uh, That was the way it was always discussed years ago. It's women's problems. Why why do you think that kind of, that that fear of of talking about this, or people are afraid to go to their employer? Because I'm sure most employers would be quite quite compassionate under these circumstances. And then they may not dish out the money, but they would certainly be compassionate with maybe leave. Uh, So why do you think we have a fear of talking about it? Well, I think it's a really deep-rooted fear and a really deep, deep-rooted almost taboo around talking about re- about reproduction, about childbirth, about maternity, about menstruation. The, all of these issues, I think, were only, re- only in recent years in Ireland beginning to recognise that we need to address them publicly. I mean, it was great that, you know, just in the last two years, we've, we've had debates in Leinster House, with all and Shannon, around menstruation, around period poverty, around uh, difficulties facing so many women and girls with 
conditions like endometriosis. And I think the silence around miscarriage and around fertility is part of that general silence. I mean, I think 2018 and the repeal of the Eighth Amendment showed us really the need for women and men, as you say, to speak publicly about experiences around dreadful things. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we'll all recall the, the termination for medical reasons groupings and the couples and, and women and Absolutely. men who spoke yeah. about, who's, yeah, who spoke about having, you know, had dreadful things, fatal fetal abnormalities, babies, you know, who were stillborn and so on. So, so I think there's been for too long in our culture. A and is there nothing in legislation? If a woman, say, has a miscarriage of 24 weeks uh, now, I mean, and I, I don't know if that's the correct terminology, but if it goes or if it goes that far, is there nothing currently in legislation to allow that woman, because obviously she doesn't get maternity leave because she doesn't go yes, full no, term. I, I, I should stress, Niall, there already is, and that's okay. very important. There already okay. is for late, for late miscarriage. So miscarriage after 24 weeks is indeed recognised in law, and there is provision already for leave, for maternity leave, as it's then called, for late miscarriage. And indeed, there is, you know, many many employers do rec- do enable, uh, for example, women to take sick leave where they have an earlier miscarriage. But the, pro- the point is that earlier miscarriages prior to 24 weeks and IVF treatments are not recognised as specifically as warranting uh, specific leave. So, you know, we have loads of examples from mm-hmm. the INTO survey of, of people who manage to take, you know, we have a force majeure leave, which is a three-day paid leave for emergencies. So people have taken that leave, they've taken annual leave, they've taken sick leave. But the problem is that there's no specific recognition for early, pre-six months. And I know there are, there are many people thinking it. out there for somebody who's had quite a lot of miscarriages. Many women do. My own mother actually had quite a substantial amount of miscarriages. She even had a stillbirth child as well. Oh, I'm but, sorry to hear that. But I oh, know, no, that's yeah. it's a long time ago. She's long, My mother's long since passed as well. But, but, in, but in saying that, there are many people out there who don't recognise that trauma and they think if somebody has a miscarriage of four or five weeks or six weeks or whatever it happens to be, they don't recognise the trauma, I suppose, that that can inflict on, on a woman particularly as well, but also on her husband as well, if they're trying really hard to have a baby. And, you know, it's a very exciting time for many people as well, but it's also a very difficult time for people who have those kind of problems. So who decides then, or how did we define, because you're saying leave of up to 20 days, is that a standard thing? Will they go to the GP, get a letter to say they've had a miscarriage? Does the GP decide, you know, at what time, I suppose, the miscarriage happens? happens at and how are those days kind of doled out so to speak well what our bill does is it it amends existing legislation to require employees who have suffered early miscarriage in that sort of traumatic circumstances you say that they would then get a medical certificate for it that they would notify the employer and so on and so we've made provision for that and we've also set out that you know clearly the minister for health would have to set out, uh, or, or indeed the Minister of Employment would have to set out specific regulations as to the form that would be used and so on. So that it would all be formalised and that it would be put in, into the, you know, the normal workplace structures that people would feel this is leave they can take mm-hmm. and that they're, you know, they're specifically recognised. But I think, you know, as you say, a lot for, for people who haven't suffered miscarriages, and all of us know people who have, that, you know, that perhaps sometimes it's, it's you know, it's underestimated the toll this takes and the grief and bereavement suffered by so many. And, and you know, the one thing that was that came through on the show that we did, a lot of the girls spoke about their, their friends or people they knew yeah. didn't know what to say to them and didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they yeah. just because it was such an uncomfortable thing, but uh, but they said they would much rather their friends came and asked them how they were and asked them about yeah. it, you know, and, and talked about it. But I suppose, uh, just to, to get there, because I know you don't have too much time, but there's 14,000 women in Ireland suffer a miscarriage every year, according to estimates, right? And yeah. So, 
I suppose we have to talk about it for people listening, the cost of this. Does that matter really, the cost of it? I mean, nowadays we seem to have an endless pit of money, to be honest with you. But realistically, we do have a limited budget. And I'm going to talk to you briefly about something else in a second as well when it comes to budgets sure. and, and, and children. But do we have the money to do this? Well, I think, first of all, you know, I've been so struck by the immense response we've, we've, I and my colleagues in Labour have had over the last couple of days about this bill and so many people contacting us to say that they have had the experience of early miscarriages of failed IVF treatments and grief and trauma. And, you know, so, you know, there is real heartbreak out there. And I've seen those estimates of 14,000 a year. Of course, we don't know because so few people speak about it. Uh, as to the cost, well, I would say, first of all, clearly, you know, it's medically, it would have to be medically mandated. So mm-hmm. it's not that everybody would necessarily take 20 days. But but I think it's important that we would make provision for this and that we would structure it into our current uh, leave and uh, entitlements and our current employment law framework. So our idea is to build it into the framework, but to have specific recognition there. I don't think it would be hugely costly. And, you know, as I said, many employees are already taking sick leave or taking other forms of leave, you know, and employers are, are facilitating that. But really, it's relabeling it. Uh, and by the way, just to clarify for those listening as well, the bill also is gender neutral. So it gives the option yes. as well for fathers or the yes, men to, su- to support said, those yes. women who are in those yes. situations as well. Yeah. Yeah, just before, and I should say, yeah, no, sorry, one other thing on the cost, which is clearly this is an opposition bill. So, you know, we have no uh, no uh, guarantee that it will become law. We will be working, however, with government parties and I hope to work with senators and TDs and government parties and the INTO will be working very hard as well to try and ensure that the government would adopt the principle. So they may indeed, you know, it, it might be... Well, I do, I do think that government are taking this yeah. seriously at the moment anyway because only recently Simon yeah. Harris, of course, talked about a fund for women uh, for IVF as well. So uh, yeah, in saying that, right. we are taking reproductive uh, issues very seriously. But just finally before you go, and I'm sorry if I caught you off guard just on this one because it was actually a message we got in about children's allowance and I just thought you might have been interested in it and I know Deputy Jackie Cahill raised this as Minister of Employment uh, Affairs and Social Protection and the annual budgetary cost going back about two years ago but I got a message in from somebody yesterday who has two children one is 18 one is 20 she's a single mother living on her own not getting maintenance from the ex-father and has no contact with him and, and she's working but she's struggling to pay for her kids because she's lost her child benefit now in the UK she says and, and she rightly says they get it up to the age of 20 as long as they're in a PLC course, not a degree course or, or whatever it happens to be. So is there a possibility as the government are encouraging people to put their children into school later? We've been doing that for the last 20 years anyway. I mean I think my daughter started school when she was just under six. Uh, now she had a, a learning difficulty at the time but is, is there a possibility of extending this 18 to 20 years of age? I know I looked at the cost factor. They talk about the, the cost factor on it would be somewhere between 80 to 100 million a year which is quite a lot of money uh, for two years extra for whatever it is 70,000 students per year but is it possible if they're still in education and only in a PLC course, for example, up to the age of 20, is it possible to extend that, do you think? Well, I think it's a really interesting question. And it's something I've, uh, you know, I'm the child care and, ch- and children's spokesperson for Labour. And I've certainly been thinking on, on this line recently because now most of our students, or many of them, are sitting leaving cert at a slightly older age. Well, my daughter is sitting the leaving cert this year. She's 19. There you are. And, you know, I was only 17 sitting it. I think things have changed dramatically. And that 18, most people now when they sit the leaving search are at least 18 and have turned 18 some mm-hmm. months or indeed in your daughter's case, you know, perhaps a year before. So I do think we need to look very seriously to extending children's allowance at the very least until children have finished secondary education. So it seems to me that's a reasonable incremental step forward mm-hmm. and then look at going beyond it, as you say, at PLC courses. But at the very least... Yeah, I think in the UK, as long as yeah. they don't go into a degree course or a master's yeah. degree or yeah, something yeah. like that. I think that's reasonable yeah, for other supports. 
there are yeah. other supports at third level, clearly, which, which are important. But yeah, I think that's a very reasonable proposition to extend child benefits at least until the child has finished full-time secondary education. And it also, of course, incentivizes parents to keep children in secondary until leaving third. So I think that's a really important point and a, and a good and one. Maybe, and maybe, maybe something you'll raise yourself. Listen, thank you very yes, much, Anita. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Avala Bachi. Thank you very much, Matt. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.